Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm Dr. David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine, chiropractor, and functional nutrition practitioner, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself, and on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. I'm excited about today's podcast, but before we jump in, I wanted to remind you to download this month's special gift at drjockersgift.com. From keto meal plans, smoothie recipes, to fasting quick start guides, we have a new complimentary gift every single month. To get your gift, simply visit drjockersgift.com. That's D-R-J-O-C-K-E-R-S-G-I-F-T.com. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. This podcast is sponsored by Perfect Keto. And guys, I just wanted to tell you about these great tasting keto cookie bars that they have. They're keto cookies. Um, You know, I've tried a lot of different low carb desserts, low carb cookies and things like that. These are definitely the best I found. And I feel really mentally stable when I consume them. A lot of times things are marked as low carb but they're actually still spiking your blood sugar and still promoting a high insulin release. These ones I just seem to feel really, really good with. And you know, the the company, it took them over a year to formulate this product. They tried so many different ingredients and went through over 10 iterations and conducted rigorous blood ketone and blood sugar testing along the way to make sure that this great tasting cookie did not spike insulin, blood sugar, and reduce ketone levels. And so keto cookies are your pre-made keto dessert without the guilt. Think of it as an energy bar that tastes like a treat and supports your soft tissue recovery because it has collagen protein in there. And collagen is amazing for your joints, for your skin, your hair, your nails, your gut health. It's an anti-aging beauty food. And you can find that in these cookies. I mean, the reality is keto can be hard to stick to Keto cookies make it a lot easier. I mean, you can treat it like your fall off the wagon insurance. If you're really craving something, you're going to a party, other people are going to be eating things that um, may tempt you, you can bring these along and, and have them. And so ultimately, this product is formulated to not spike blood sugar. So you can rest assured with that. It has the collagen protein, again, amazing protein source. All of us need to be consuming Uh, because it has the right blend of amino acids to help support joint health, skin, hair health, and a gut line, healthy gut lining. It's not going to spike your blood sugar and you are going to love the flavor. So you can pick these up, these keto cookies at www.perfectketo.com forward slash drjockers and use the coupon code Dr. Jockers, just DR Jockers, all one word. And that's going to save you 15% off so you can really enjoy these cookies. They also have a lot of other great products. So again, go to www.perfectketo.com forward slash drjockers and use the coupon code drjockers for 15% off. You guys are going to absolutely love these. 
Hey friends, this podcast is actually an interview that I did a few years ago for a project I worked on called the Keto Edge Summit. The Keto Edge Summit was basically where I interviewed, I think it was like 36, 40 of the top keto experts in the world. We talked about all things keto. We talked about how to get the best results out of the diet. We talked about biohacking strategies to do to help improve your digestive system, to help improve your brain health, your energy, and really get the most out of life. And so this interview is with one of my good friends who is an expert in many different areas. And you'll see as we, as we dive into this topic just uh, just how deep we go and the quality of the content that you get. And so just a reminder, this is uh, roughly, you know, this is, I think I did these interviews in like 2017, 2018, so a few years old, but uh, the content is just as relevant and uh, I know that it will make a difference in your life. So you will enjoy this content. And uh, if you wouldn't mind just leaving us a rating or review, your reviews really, really count. They mean the world to us and they help us get seen by more people. So if you just go to your Apple iTunes player and uh, rate us and leave a review, that will really help us uh, just be able to help more people and get this information out to the masses. Thank you for doing that and enjoy the podcast. Welcome everybody to the Keto Edge Summit, where we are dispelling the myths helping you overcome the hurdles and empowering you to improve your brain and body and get an edge in life through the ketogenic lifestyle. And I've got a really great guest today that I'm just super honored to be able to connect with. This is somebody I've looked up to for years. And, uh, you know, he's kind of considered the godfather of the ancestral health movement and has really um, gotten this message out through the media, through his podcasts, through books. And this is Mark Siston, and his, here's his bio. He's an ancestral health pioneer, an ex-endurance athlete. He's a New York Times best-selling author of The Keto Reset Diet, which, by the way, I was just telling Mark, I got this book, and um, it's like right up my alleyway, you know, as a, as a former athlete myself. Um, so I started going through that last night and just loving the book, and I would definitely recommend everybody. We're going to talk more about it in the interview, but definitely uh, get this book. It goes perfect with, with what we're talking about in this summit. Um, he also wrote The Primal Blueprint, Primal Endurance, and he's a blogger at top-rated health fitness website, MarksDailyApple.com. It's another one that I look at on a regular basis to, to really get the most cutting edge information so I can stay sharp. He's a founder of several companies, Primal Blueprint, devoted to designing state-of-the-art supplements that address the challenges of living in the modern world. Primal Kitchen, delivering uncompromisingly delicious, nutrient-dense foods that are always dairy, gluten, grain, soy-free. Um, most of them, if not all of them, are ketogenic. I know I, I use the salad dressing, I use this Primal Mayo, uh, some, of, some of my, my favorite products. Um, also, he recently developed Primal Kitchen Restaurants, which is well needed. So we need you know, restaurants popping up, obviously, all around the country, really all around the world that, that are going to be able to serve really good Primal Keto-style dishes. So he's, he's pioneering that. Um, and, and it's actually, you know, it's kind of, kind of fits modern culture, right? Because it's, uh, it's organic, fast, casual dining options because in our society, we're on the go. Um, and also Primal Health Coach, where he coaches people on how they can, uh, they can help coach people and help kind of get this message of um, Primal Health out to the world. And so today, we are going to really talk about transitioning into the ketogenic diet. 
And, uh, you know, Mark's book, The Keto Reset Diet, really is, is great with that because it kind of walks you through the steps for how to transition, maybe not just, you know, jump in, uh, you know, jump right in the water and how to, how to figure out how to swim, but instead kind of take the lessons, get the swimming lessons and, uh, and figure out, um, you know, and go from there. And so, Mark, really an honor and a privilege to have you on the summit. And I would love for you to share your story, how you really got going with this. Yeah, thanks for having me, David. Um, you know, how I got going with this is uh, pretty much a 50-year evolution uh, <laughs> from being interested in performance and longevity when I was in my early teens, uh, starting on down this path of becoming an endurance athlete, a runner, um, was fairly good at running, uh, was always looking at ways in which I could enhance my performance through my diet, and uh, which in the 60s and 70s when I was running uh, was basically fueling all of the miles that you were running with complex carbohydrates. Um, and, and by the way, not always complex carbohydrates, sometimes just simple carbohydrates. Uh, got really good at running, got really fast, uh, raced well, transitioned from, from marathons into uh, long distance, you know, Ironman type triathlons. Uh, but over the years was kind of looking fit on the outside, but falling apart on the inside. And, and I had to retire from injuries and due to a number of, of uh, you know, digestive complications and things like that. So I kind of dedicated the rest of my life to discovering ways in which I could be strong and lean and fit and healthy uh, without having to pound the pavement so much and without having to slam down a thousand grams of carbs to fuel the miles. That journey, which began literally in the early 80s, continues today with the books that I put out, The Primal Blueprint being the first sort of seminal work of mine, uh, the blog, Mark's Daily Apple, and, uh, and now The Keto Reset Diet. How I came to keto was also part of that evolution. I mean, I've been low carb. I've been eating primally for 15 years. Uh, so I really got to the point where I'd already cut out a lot of the carbohydrates in my diet. When you look at uh, the evolutionary um, genesis of our, of our, of our genes and, and the tendency that our, our genes expect from us based on evolution, uh, you realize that we're not really designed to eat processed sugars and processed carbohydrates so when you uh, look to clean up your diet, which I did, and, and look to get rid of sugars, uh, sweet, sweetened beverages, desserts, pies, cakes, candies, cookies, things like that, then, then get rid of the, you know, the processed grains, the flours, the wheat flours, the barley, the millet, the rye, the, the spelt. When you get rid of, of all of those kind of processed foods, uh, and you're left with a cornucopia, if you will, of great tasting foods, meat, fish, fowl, eggs, nuts, seeds, vegetables, a little bit of fruit, um, you almost of necessity have reduced your carbohydrate intake from three or 400 a day grams down to 100, 120. So for 15 years, I've been in that 100, 120 gram a day carbohydrate range and feeling great and having muscle mass and having energy and sleeping well and never getting sick um, and not being hungry. But a couple of years ago, I started realizing that I'm still a seeker of performance. I still want to find out if there's another level that I can achieve, if there's another, another level of cognition, another level of energy, better sleep, if I can uh, maintain muscle mass you know, in the face of or re decrease inflammation uh, while training. All of these things, which I had 
you know, I got into like a 90, right, on a scale of zero to 100. Um, how do I get to a 95 or a 97? And I'd written a lot about keto over the, over the years, and I'd spent days and sometimes weeks um, accidentally keto. You know, I might have a couple of days where I go, oh, wow, you know, yesterday I only had like 30 grams of carbs total. And the day before, I only had like 40, uh, you know, and I'm, I feel pretty good. So I thought to myself, well, why don't I do a two-month deep dive into keto and, uh, you know, limit my carbohydrate intake to no more than 40 grams a day for two months and see what happens. And it was pretty profound. It was interesting to, to see that there was another level of energy, that there was a little bit better cognition, that there was uh, the preservation of muscle tissue and the opportunity to build even more muscle while burning off more fat. Um, I found that I slept better and that was almost quantified by the fact that I felt like I needed less sleep to get through the night. And that may be, you know, a direct result of the fact that the brain probably does more better work on ketones in a shorter period of time overnight than it does on glucose. So, you know, I came out of that experiment going, wow, this is, this is crazy. Here I was, I was fine. You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. I was thinking, well, you know, maybe there's, maybe I'm, I've tapped out on my ability to achieve, um, extended performance at the age of 64 and it turns out I wasn't I had there was more there to there was more accessible to me if if I wanted it and so that's what really prompted me to write this book it's for people like me and people uh, who have you know maybe uh, you know gotten the results that they wanted and now want the next thing more importantly it's for all the people who haven't gotten the results they wanted yeah and are looking for a way to shake things up and and because the template applies to everybody. Everybody is wired to be able to go keto for some period of time. Now the question is, do you have, you know, the discipline to do that for a while and experiment for yourself and see what the results are? Yeah, absolutely. And <clears throat> kind of like what you were talking about, you wanted to just drive up your overall efficiency, like get the body to work more efficiently. It's able to produce more energy. And then because a lot of people, you know, are athletes and they're concerned about, okay, if I drop the carbs, because of course, they've all heard the mantra, you need the carbs, carb ups, um, and that sugar and carbs give you energy. But what you found is actually your, your overall efficiency, your metabolic efficiency improved, and your performance improved as a byproduct of that. Is that correct? I mean, this is the, probably the major uh, important component of going keto and, and doing what I call a keto reset. Now, when I say, talk about a keto reset, I'm not talking necessarily about spending the rest of your life in keto or even spending the next year or two in keto. I'm talking about a six-week, sort of six-week minimum reset where you reset your metabolism. You literally become that much better fat adapted, that much better at, at burning fat. We call this metabolic flexibility and metabolic efficiency. So the idea is to be is to improve your metabolic flexibility so that now you can extract calories from from fat on your plate or from stored body fat. Now you can extract calories from and energy in that regard uh, from ketones that you make and but for having built the metabolic machinery to burn those ketones. Now you are better uh, at burning at burning even glycogen and glucose when it's available uh, because you're not so inefficient in, in the way that you're burning that. So you're not creating these, these massive reactive oxygen species. Uh, now you're less likely to burn protein, which is sort of the final uh, go-to last straw for a sugar burner who has spent his whole life or her whole life, you know, depending on carbohydrates and then decides to skip a meal, you know? So, um, 
you know, that's when the wheels fall off if you haven't become fat adapted. So, and we'll talk about what that looks like, you know, throughout the course of this conversation. Um, but absolutely, metabolic flexibility is the primary goal here. It's, it's not to produce the highest number of ketones. It's not like some, yeah. you know, ketone contest that you say, well, you know, I'm more in ketosis than you are because I'm blowing a, you know, a five or a six on my, uh, on my ketone meter and you're, you know, you're only at, you know, 0.4 uh, or 1.7. Uh, this is about creating metabolic flexibility, and when you create that metabolic flexibility, these are actual physical changes that take place in your body, that take place in your muscle cells, that take place in your brain. You are building the metabolic machinery to, to burn fat, to burn ketones efficiently, to make ketones, and, and so if you do the reset, and then you decide you don't want to spend that much more time in ketosis, you, you still benefit from machinery for months and months and months, mm -hmm. and you become a a more efficient being and one of the one of the keys to efficiency is you are able to extract more energy from less food and we'll talk a little bit about yeah. what that means as we go further because a lot of people would say well wait a minute less food that doesn't sound appealing <laughs> well you know we have this sort of bizarre point of view in this country about food which goes like this what's the most amount of food i can eat and not gain weight <laughs> what's the most amount of this dessert I can have and not feel bad or not feel guilty? And so we have this sort of gluttonous point of view that says, um, whatever I can get away with, I'm going right up to the line and maybe beyond it. Uh, the way that, that the keto reset kind of works is, um, well, that's kind of a, you know, you can choose to do that, but, but then that's th those same people are the people that you see at the gym on the treadmill burning four or 500 calories every workout, struggling and suffering and sweating. And then you go up and you say, well, geez, why are you, you training for a 10K or are you training for, no. Well, why are you doing that amount of work? It just, and the, the answer is typically because I like to eat. <laughs> like really, you would put yourself through that amount of struggling and suffering so that you can have a few more bites of something you probably shouldn't eat in the first place. I mean, that's, but that's the mentality. So the approach that we take is, this is really about controlling hunger, appetite, and cravings. And if I can find a way of eating that gives me all the energy I want, that allows me to build or preserve muscle mass, that allows me to sleep well, that makes sure that I never get sick, and most importantly, is never dictated by hunger or cravings. Yeah. And secondly, most importantly, ensures that every bite of food I eat tastes phenomenal. Wouldn't that be an awesome way to live? Absolutely. I mean, that's what we, that's really what we want is to develop that level of lifestyle without a doubt. And so, and that's the great thing about it is that the food that we're able to eat on this sort of a, a nutrition approach is, is awesome, right? And our, naturally we're kind of wired to, to want fats and, you know, that's a big component of it. Um, and I think, you know, we start to crave sugar when we're in this sugar dependence mode, right? When our, our system is only programmed to be able to run off of sugar because we haven't adapted the metabolic machinery. And so can you break down really the difference between somebody who's sugar addicted versus fat and keto, keto adapted? I know you talk a lot about that in your book. Sure. Well, first of all, um, you go back a couple of million years, humans are just starting to emerge from other apes. And, and uh, so two and a half million years ago. Um, we have these uh, beings walking around the planet, 
uh, well, mostly in Africa at that point, but, um, you know, foraging for scraps of food. Uh, they don't have claws or, or nasty teeth. They don't have uh, talons or, you know, fangs. Um, so they have to sort of fend for themselves. And, uh, and scavenging for food is the way our ancestors ate. And we, we call it hunter-gathering now. But uh, basically, it's insects and snails and eggs. And it's uh, roots and shoots and tubers and nuts and things like that. And maybe it's the um, carcasses of, of animals that, were, that have been killed by another animal, you know, leftovers, roadkill. So you, you, you have this system set up, which uh, in terms of the harsh environmental conditions, uh, if you want to survive, you have to have a, a means of, of um, whenever you do encounter food or calories, to overeat, to literally your brain needed to be wired to eat more than you than it took to, to make you full um, so that you could store the excess calories as fat, as fuel on your body, carry that fuel around with you, but also to have the same um, systems in place to be able to take that fat out of storage and combust it and burn it and use it as fuel in the absence of food. And maybe this was days at a time when there wasn't much food, when there was a negative sort of caloric input where your daily you know, fuel requirements were 1,300 uh, uh, calories and you only took in 600 calories or zero calories worth of food. So evolution favored the humans that could store fat really well and who could burn it really efficiently and effectively. Now over the millennia, over the millions of years and then recently the hundreds of thousands and, and thousands of years, we have evolved into this now we're modern day uh, you know people walking around in basically apes and pinstripe suits but we we still have this wiring in our brain that wants us to to overeat um, we still have this wiring in our brain that craves things that are sweet because ancestrally millions of years ago anything that was sweet was first of all safe not poisonous um, for the most part and um, was an opportunity to to rapidly store fat, right? And typically that would be fruit, which if you, uh, if you consume a lot of fruit, uh, the fructose in the fruit becomes fat. Really, it, it gets the liver, trans, uh, transforms it into triglycerides pretty quickly. It doesn't even get a chance to become glucose in the bloodstream. So all these mechanisms that we have today, we are born with. We have this genetic recipe that has us being really good at burning fat from birth. We are, our factory setting from birth is to be really good at burning fat. Where we go off the rails really early, and it's not your parents' fault, because they learn from their parents and so on, is we have access to so much carbohydrate in this world, um, and it's toast and crackers and cookies and cereals and Zweiback and, and puddings uh, and applesauce when you're a year, two years old, and then it becomes uh, waffles and, and toast and bagels and sandwiches and pasta when you become older and, it, and soft drinks, sweetened beverages, sweetened teas, and then it becomes dessert. And the next thing you know, we have orchestrated a lifestyle around the massive overconsumption of carbohydrates. So we took this beautiful pristine fat burning machine as it was born and we never gave it the chance to burn fat because we always presented uh, glucose in the form of these carbohydrate based 
foods. Now, when you do that, because the body isn't set up to accept a lot of glucose at one time, in fact, normal blood sugar represents about one teaspoon full of glucose in the entire bloodstream. So we don't have this, we really don't have the system to take in a lot of carbohydrate and convert it to a lot of glucose. And, and how the body handles that, because excess glucose in the bloodstream we know to be toxic, yeah. is it secretes insulin. And the insulin is therefore intended to drive that excess glucose and other nutrients, by the way, and fat and, 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 uh, and uh, amino acids into muscle cells first. And if muscle cells are full, they have, they, there's no more room for glucose, then into the fat cells. And so we have this system where if we continuously take in carbohydrate, um, we raise insulin, we store excess calories in the fat cells, and elevated insulin locks, these, the, locks this energy in the fat cells. So as long as we continue to eat carbohydrates, we never get a chance to really access that beautiful fat-burning mechanism. And the byproduct of that is we become really good at burning sugar, at burning carbohydrate, at burning glucose, at burning glycogen, but we never really get good at burning fat. The, the bad news there, I'm afraid, first of all, the good news is some people can get, a, get away with that for a long time and not gain weight. Um, they still might get type 2 diabetes because, they, because actually gaining weight is the body's sort of mechanism for disposing of excess glucose. But once, the, you know, if your fat cells are, are resistant, then glucose just rises in the bloodstream and then you get you know a high a1c and and, and uh type 2 diabetes yeah massive glycation so yeah so so, like so but this this describes gosh 80 percent of the american population yeah. maybe 90 percent and those who haven't yet been diagnosed with type 2 diabetes that doesn't mean that they don't suck it at handling sugar um so the sugar burner is that's all they know how to do. So we talk about metabolic inflexibility. If all you take in is carbohydrate every three or four hours all day long, and if you're not good at storing carbohydrate other than in fat, as, as fat in fat cells, the body can only store like 500 grams of, and that's maybe 2,000 calories total, of, uh, of glycogen, which is the stored form of glucose, throughout the entire body. And if, and if that's what you're depending on all day, to for your energy levels because you you're eating constantly and your your insulin is elevated and it's locking the fat in the fat cells then you become pretty good at burning carbohydrate i was pretty good at burning carbohydrate for a long time i was an endurance athlete and i could run you know uh, i ran marathons at 515 520 wow. per mile pace mm-hmm. mostly on carbohydrate extremely impressive so, <laughs> so it it can be done right Yep. But it's not the most efficient use of the human mechanism. So the difference between a fat burner and a sugar burner is a, is a sugar burner, obviously, that's, all, that's the only tool in their entire toolbox for, for um, accessing energy. Yeah. A little bit of fat. Let's not, I don't want to just get too far down that road. A little bit of fat, but certainly not an appreciable amount. Now, yeah. if you're fat adapted and you're keto adapted, you can get 80, 85, 90% of all your caloric energy requirements throughout the entire day from fat. And, from, and, and that's from stored body fat. It doesn't have to be from the fat in your diet. It could be from stored body fat. When you're keto adapted, 
which is the next level of fat adapted, and they go hand in hand. So when you become truly fat adapted, you are almost by definition also keto adapted. And this means that your liver is now making ketones uh, at, a, at a reasonably fast pace. I mean, it, it blows my mind to think that the liver, I don't know if you guys know this, the liver can make 150 grams of ketones a day. Wow. It, it doesn't have to, but it can. Yeah. That 150 grams of ketones represents about 700 calories worth of energy just from that, that re, by the way, that replaces glucose. Virtually every cell in the body can use ketones. A couple, you know, some red blood cells can't, so on. But virtually every cell can use ketones if, if need be, in the absence of glucose. So you, you've got this. Now, if you become fat-adapted and keto-adapted, you get most of your energy from stored body fat or fat in, in your plate. You get most of your energy that would otherwise have to come from glucose now comes from ketones. You increase the number of mitochondria because you've basically sent signals to all of your genes. Hey, guys, there's not going to be a lot of glucose. We're not going to be able to get energy from glucose anymore. We have to build some factories to burn fat, and those factories are mitochondria. We not only have to build the factories, we, have to, we don't even have to build more of them. We have to also make them more efficient. They have to be able to extract more energy from fat than ever before. That's a signal that gets sent to the mitochondrial DNA. So even within the, the mitochondria, they have their own little recipe that can ramp up production. So you've got, now, now you're fat adapted, you're keto adapted, you become much less dependent on glucose. In fact, you're not dependent on glucose at all because in a, in, in a, it, you're, it, at times you could be described as a closed loop. You could go, if you're fat adapted and keto adapted, you can go four days without eating yeah. and not lose muscle mass and not have hunger be driving you insane, have all the energy and all the cognition you want. Um, and by the way, be actually repairing your body, taking, taking advantage of this process we call autophagy, which is where um, damaged cells and uh, senescent cells can be recycled, can actually be burned for energy uh, through, through a, a pre-programmed um, you know, destruction button that they have um, that we never get a chance to access if we're sugar burners because the... It's just not, we're just not programmed to do that. When the body gets excess sugar, it just says, hey, we just got to deal with the excess sugar. We got to burn it off. Uh, the brain is now just it's so dependent on sugar that if we don't get, a, if we skip a meal or if we don't get carbohydrate at every meal, then all these alerts go off to the brain to prompt the adrenal glands to secrete cortisol, to tear down muscle tissue, yeah. to send the amino acids to the liver to become glucose because that's all we know how to burn is glucose. And it's a very destructive process. So there's like everything is cool about keto yeah. and nothing is cool about being a sugar burner. I just wanted to interrupt this podcast and tell you about these keto cookies that taste incredible. I mean, it took this company over a year to formulate this product to ensure that it did not cause your blood sugar to spike, your ketones to drop, your insulin to spike and promote inflammation in the body, which most products, most you know, sweet treats, even low carb treats actually do. I know I've tried so many low carb cookies and they threw me out of ketosis. And so these keto cookies are actually formulated with ingredients that are not gonna impact your blood sugar in the same way. You've got things like grass-fed butter, almond flour, coconut flour, coconut oil, egg, 
Uh, it's got Asatia gum, which is actually a great prebiotic fiber. It's got grass-fed collagen, which is incredible for your skin, your hair, your nails, your gut lining, and your joints. So if you're looking for a great keto dessert, you know, these are things that you probably could get away with eating every day for, for a lot of you guys and do well. But if you're just looking for something as like an occasional uh, treat, and you don't, you're, you're tired of trying to make these things, these different uh, keto dessert recipes on your own, then pick these up. They're the Perfect Keto Keto Cookies. So simply go to perfectketo.com forward slash drjockers and use the coupon code drjockers, all one word. So just D-R-J-O-C-K-E-R-S to save 15% off of these today. Again, that's perfectketo.com forward slash drjockers. Use the coupon code drjockers to save 15% off. You guys are going to love these cookies. I'm telling you what, you might as well get a few cases because you're going to love them. Your family's going to love them and uh, you might as well stock up. All right, back to the podcast. Yeah, exactly. So when we're stuck in sugar burning mode, we're producing more inflammation. We're damaging all of our tissue. I know for myself, I couldn't keep lean body mass on. So I'm an ectomorphic body type. And so I could eat all the sugar in the world. I would never get fat, but I couldn't keep any muscle tissue on. And so since becoming fat adapted, keto adapted, my gosh, I'm able to, I preserve my, I have higher levels of circulating branch chain amino acids like leucine that preserve my lean body tissue. And I found, Mark, that almost like the longer I go between meals, the stronger and, and um, the, just the less oxygen I feel like I need during my workout. My workout is so much better. So like today, like I haven't eaten since six o'clock last night. And after this interview, and I'm on the East Coast, and it's going to be 1 o'clock. So I'll probably end up working out at like 1.30. And that workout's going to be amazing because I've been fat adapted. My body, I've gotten these signals where I'm increasing mitochondria. My body's getting really efficient with fuel source. And, uh, you know, years ago when I wasn't fat adapted, it was like even the thought of working out oh, yeah. fasted like that, I would have just tanked. Well, you not only would have tanked, David, but, yeah. you would have, but, but you would have been afraid that you would lose even more muscle mass. Yes, yes. Um, you know, when I, was a, when I was a runner, when I was a triathlete and a runner, I weighed about one, I weighed 145 as a runner, um, and I weighed 150 as a triathlete because my, my legs got bigger from cycling. Um, I weigh 170 now for the most part, mm-hmm. um, so I'm 25 pounds more, 20 to 25 pounds more now than when I was a top athlete. Partly because I, like you, I couldn't keep, yeah. even though I was consuming like six, 7,000 calories oh, yeah. a day, most of it was carbohydrate, I couldn't keep any muscle mass on because I was this sugar burner that in the, in the um, event that I'd blown through my, I say 2,000 calories worth of carbs, but it's really less than that because the, the muscles don't want to get below, say, 175 grams total stored glycogen. And then, so if you have 100 in the liver, and you've, now you've only got like maybe 300 total in, uh, available in the muscles, yeah. um, that's not a lot of calories to be out, uh, allocating toward intense training, right? So that's only 1,200 calories a day toward intense training. And I used to train two, three hours a day. So what would happen is my body would go into this severe you know, gluconeogenesis um, uh, fallback situation where I say it would start to tear down muscle tissue to make more glucose so that my legs could keep going 
because my brain was overriding the the the, my, the front part of my brain was overriding the reptilian part of my brain that was saying, slow down, you're going to die. Uh, and yet the availability of carbs every single day, like I'd get home, I'd be fried. Um, but I, I just immediately go back and restock the carbohydrates. I carbo load every single day of my life because every day I'd, I just go back and train harder or as hard the next day. I mean, hundred miles a week on average, some weeks, you know, 70 miles, some weeks, 120, uh, for the last seven years of my running career. And it was, it was insane. Yeah. And now to think that I'm, I had the same or lower body fat now than when I was running 100 miles a week, um, that I weigh 20 pounds more and almost all of it is muscle. I would, I would submit that some of it's bone density too, because yeah. I think my, um, that's one of the things that happens as a result of, yeah. uh, you know, one of the epigenetic upregulators uh, that happens as a result of uh, being keto. So all these things, it's like, if you did a list of pros and cons of why you should try keto if you haven't tried it, and look, it's not right for everybody. Some people are so metabolically damaged after a lifetime of inappropriate choices, shall we say. Uh, some people have some you know, uh, uh, organic um, uh, genetic condition that might preclude that. I mean, if you're, a, you know, if you're type 1 diabetic, absolutely work with a doctor if you're going to try this. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, most people will be well served to experience some of the um, amazing benefits that come from, from being keto. And when I say being keto, I'm talking about just even just doing a keto reset once right. a year, the same way some people would do a cleanse once a year, right? Or the same people, the same way somebody would do a whole 30 once or twice a year. Yeah. It's the, it's the same concept. You will be better off for months and months and months after you do that. Even if you go out of ketosis, and by the way, you know, I live in a space I call the keto zone. So mm -hmm. having done the work, having done the metabolic, built the metabolic machinery, having become metabolically flexible, metabolically efficient, then I hang out in this range of 40 grams a day to 150 grams a day. Now, if I take in 150 grams of carbs one day, um, I'm clearly not producing a lot of ketones, but the, the key element here is I don't care what my blood glucose or blood ketone meter says. I care about how I feel. Yeah. And if I don't feel any differently on days that I'm keto or not keto because of the work I did, that's the definition of metabolic flexibility. Right. right? And so I would, I would have to think to myself, because I know people in this industry, you know, who are keto for a long time, and then they go, oh, geez, you want, if I have 70 grams of carbs one day, I'm kicked out of ketosis for four days and I feel like crap. Dude, that is not metabolic flexibility. Yeah. You know, that is, that is, that's wrong. That is, you know, something's not working there for you. And, and it might be an indication that keto isn't where you need to be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So anyway. And, and I think that's a big component that you bring into your book. Cause you know, if you are keto adapted, and you boost up your carbs for one day and it knocks you out of ketosis and takes you days to get back, you need to look at other lifestyle factors. What's your movement like? What's your sleep like? What's Absolutely. Your like? And you Absolutely. break that down well in your book. And what do you find to be the biggest mistakes people are making as they pursue this ketogenic lifestyle? Well, um, there's a number. Look, there's a lot of ways to, be, to do keto wrong. Mm -hmm. um, there's a number of ways to do keto right. I'm just providing, yeah. I think, a template for one of those ways. But in my estimation, um, one of the things people do is they don't, they don't allow themselves to stair step into it. So this is what we do in the, in the 
keto reset diet in the book. We, we, it's basically a 21 day process to reboot your metabolism to burn fat forever. But that 21 days only earns you the right to go keto from there. It's like yeah. we spend 21 days removing some of the effect of uh, the offending ingredients like the sugars, the processed carbs, um, in many cases, some of the processed legumes, um, the, the industrial seed oils, uh, things like that. When we, uh, so, so a lot of people who don't take the time to stair step in and become first become used to not having so much glucose and therefore become used to burning fat. Um, that's a much easier transition when you're, when you're, when you've already cut out the nasty stuff and you're down to a hundred, 110 grams of carbs a day, it's easy to find 50 grams not to eat from there. But if you jump into this, you know, plunge in head first and you were somebody who was eating 400, 500 grams of carbs a day. Uh, and now you try to go down to 50 grams of carbs a day. You could do it, but it's going to be painful. And a lot of people who do that and try that don't last, you know, the first week or two. They just, that the headaches are too much. The, you know, the, um, the, the low, the low carb flu or the keto flu as we call it. Yeah. Uh, which is just, a, you know, that's just your brain going, Hey dude, you did this wrong. You told us we were going to have glucose for the rest of our lives, our life, and now you're withholding glucose, and we don't know what to do, yeah. right? You got to, you wouldn't, you know, sign up for a 10k in six weeks and then not train for it if you've never run. Yeah, you got to do some amount of training to get. Now, if you don't train for it and you get in the 10k, you can do it. You know, you can struggle your way through it, but it's going to be no fun. It's going to be painful. Yeah. You're going to be sore for weeks. And I think I look at this the same way. Like if you say I want to go keto. Then train for it. You know, if you want to spend uh, a couple of weeks getting ready and training your body to be prepared for keto, then keto will be a pleasant, wonderful, eye-opening, energetic, uh, high mood experience. So <laughs> that was a long-winded answer. That's one thing people do wrong is that they, <clears throat> they plunge it. Another thing that people do wrong, I think, is they, they assume that because uh, this is a high-fat diet that they can go whole hog with the fats. And so a lot of people spend a lot of a lot of time um, justifying a 4,000 calorie a day diet because they're keto now and they can eat all the fat they want. And I see people, you know, putting pats of butter on their burgers and, you know, and, and adding all sorts of fats to, to other fats. Um, so that's a mistake because only because there's a point at which the body just says, I don't, I don't need to burn any, uh, any stored body fat. I don't need to make, energy for my stored body fat um, because you know you're still feeding the pie hole with all these calories that I have to figure out something to do with so a lot of people who who start on the keto journey um, you know will they'll take in more calories than they need to and that's fine for a while I mean it's, it's look I don't want anybody to go hungry yeah the key element here is do not go hungry set yourself up for success by surrounding yourself with with healthy keto approved or low carb or paleo or primal snacks, right? So if you feel that three o'clock mid-afternoon doldrum coming on, uh, instead of going for a bagel and a cup of coffee, you know, have a, have a tablespoon full of coconut butter or, or almond butter or a, a couple of pieces of beef jerky um, or a handful of nuts. But, you know, don't, don't, set yourself up for failure by going, I just can't make it. I can't make it. I can't make it. I'm at my, my, my energy's dwindling. Right. So, um, I'm, I'm not suggesting that people go hungry, but I am suggesting that people start out 
And after the first week or two, once your body's been, been used to the decrease in carbohydrates, that's when you, see, you need to start looking at the amount of calories that you're taking in and asking yourself, am I really hungry? Am I truly hungry? Another, people, another mistake people make, I think, is, um, is taking in too much protein. So a lot of people yeah, take in yeah. um, excessive amounts of protein, more than they need. I mean, I don't think any, anybody needs, you know, even bodybuilders and whatever, unless they're on the juice, um, nobody needs more than 130 grams of, car, of, of, uh, of protein in a day. And in many cases, you'd find that this, these protein requirements drop to like 45 or 60 if you're a small, small woman. Mm -hmm. uh, and yet people tend to, because of the nature of this eating style and the, and the fact that a lot of fat is kind of tied in with protein, uh, they tend to overdo the protein. So that's another, uh, I think, common mistake people make. Another mistake might be just being too caught up in the numbers, like saying, oh, I'm, I'm uh, again, I'm really into this uh, ketosis state where I'm, I'm doing four or five, six millimolar on my ketone strips, or I'm peeing the most purple I can get on the urine strips, um, you know, and I'm keto, but I'm not seeing any benefits. Well, you know, the, the, the goal isn't to chase the numbers. The goal is to become good at burning fat. It's not even about how much ketone, how many ketones you produce. In fact, in people who have been keto for a long time, myself included, um, I stopped I stopped testing myself because there are days when I've had 30, 40 grams of carbs total, and I might be 0 0.5, 0 0.6 millimolar on, on a ketone strip. That doesn't mean that, I'm, that I've failed at this whole right. experiment. It means that I've succeeded. And here's how it means I've succeeded. It means that my liver is producing just enough ketones to fuel my brain. It means that my muscles are so efficient at burning fat, they don't even need ketones. So I don't have to produce that many ketones to be uh, to be metabolically efficient, to be metabolically flexible, um, to to be burning uh, stored body fat or the fat on my plate. Yeah, so, it's really, really the true definition of metabolic efficiency. Your body's only going to produce what it's what it needs right there. So yeah, the yeah. more efficient you get, naturally your ketone levels should drop down. Yeah. So I don't know what your your experience has been, but I yeah. I know with you know with some of the people that I know in the in this space that have been keto for a long time and write about it. They're like, um, you know, always 0 0.3, 0 0.4 millimolar um, on, a, on a ketone strip. They might get up to, you know, a little over 0.5. And yet, Finney and Volick, the sort of, the, you know, the lead guys in this field for the longest time, would say that you're not, you're not in ketosis until you're 0.5 or over. Now, let's talk about the term ketosis because it's been, it's been bandied about as a um, – you know, as some be all end all, like I want to be in ketosis or, hey, Dave, I'm in ketosis. Well, ketosis by definition is an excess of ketones in your bloodstream, yeah. right? So it's one thing and it's kind of cool when you're first getting here to say, okay, I'm, look, my liver's producing ketones. I'm overproducing ketones. I'm spilling them out in my urine. You can smell them on my breath. Uh, I can see them in my blood. You're overproducing ketones. That's mm -hmm. ketosis. Yeah. But that's, that's not the goal. The goal is to be good at burning fat, making right. ketones, and using those ketones, and unburdening yourself of having to take in supplemental glucose to fuel all the systems in your body. So it, ketosis is, I'd like to, I, that's why I use the word keto and not ketosis. Yeah. Ketosis is like a condition almost like type 2 diabetes 
is the presence of too much sugar in your system. Ketosis is the presence of excessive amounts of ketones. Now, that's a good thing up to a point, yeah. right? And, and let's, you know, we, I know you've had other speakers on here talk about ketoacidosis, right. and that's just, that's a completely different mm -hmm. concept that we're not even going to be concerned with. Um, it's a dangerous condition to be in, but nobody who, you know, if you are not type 1 diabetic or a raging lifetime alcoholic, you always produce enough insulin to limit the amount of ketones you can produce to six or seven or eight millimolar, right? And then it just shuts off. Yeah. yeah. So um, one more mistake people make. God, I, I, didn't, I didn't realize my list of mistakes was this big. Um, <laughs> well, one more mistake. I'm glad we're going through that because yeah. people really need to understand this. Right. Um, One more mistake people make is they think that they can get into ketosis mm -hmm. or that they can get the benefits from drinking supplemental ketone. Uh, ketone. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of companies making ketone supplements right now, and it's kind of gotten out of hand, this idea that you could be eating a standard American diet, that you could over-consume carbs one night and go, oh, I think I'll have a ketone supplement and go right into, into ketosis, and I'll somehow magically negate the Cinnabon that I just had or the, you know, or the bear claw. Um, and again, as, because the last conversation we, or the last uh, thing I just said about ketosis is, um, yes, you can get into ketosis by drinking these ketone supplements. You can actually raise the amount of ketones in your bloodstream. But what is that doing? It's not doing anything. You're either going to pee them out, you're going to use them temporarily. But one of the things that happens when you take supplemental ketones, and this is my theory, and it hasn't been proven in science, so I'll just say it's my theory. Is, it, is that the body recognizes a high level of ketones and says, hey, we don't need to make ketones. We don't need to take fat. We don't need to take triglycerides and start making ketones because there's already enough ketone. And certainly enough ketones because we haven't yet built the metabolic machinery to burn the ketones. So we're already overproducing ketones. So yes, we are in ketosis, but it means nothing. It is not advancing the plot. It is not having me be a better fat burner. It is not having me be fat adapted. It is not even prompting me to build more mitochondria. You know, mitochondrial biogenesis is one of the main goals of a keto lifestyle. Improve metabolic efficiency, improve metabolic flexibility by increasing the mitochondria and thereby increasing the, the energy available from fat and the energy um, efficiency by extracting those energy, those calories, if you will, from all food substrates. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, kind of bridging into that, it's like ketosis or really just a dramatic shift in your diet. So if you're consuming a high carbohydrate diet, kind of standard American diet, and you try to shift too quickly into ketosis, that's a mild stressor on the body. And, um, you know, we call that a it's actually, it's, it's actually, it's a yeah. major stressor. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, I and mean, if, if you've ever seen, yeah, yeah if, you, if you've seen a sugar burner, you know, uh, who, who had an overnight flight to uh to europe and then uh you know didn't eat all day didn't eat during the flight and then is going to skip dinner you yeah. i mean the term hangry you know you look up hangry in the dictionary it's not there yet it will be one day but you look it up in the dictionary it's a sugar burner who skipped two meals in a row <laughs> yeah and hypoglycemia the, is is so challenging on our brain on our yeah. emotions i mean you think about like if everybody could get keto adapted or fat adapted and have that level of metabolic flexibility, just a level of domestic violence, violence in general, mood yes. disorders would go down significantly because, you know, whenever I hear about this kind of stuff, I'm always thinking blood sugar imbalance. Right. 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 
And that just drives this instability in the brain, inflammation in the brain, so it's huge. So basically a dramatic shift in our diet is a stressor on the body. And if we haven't built up that internal resilience, we're not going to adapt well to it. And it's going to basically overload our system. And so right. your keto right. reset diet really takes us through a process of build up resilience, right? While we start to gradually shift into this state. And then once we built up that level of resilience, now we're going to be able to handle uh, basically, a, you know, a more extreme diet, lower carbohydrate, very, very low carb diet, build up the metabolic machinery even stronger. And then we've got that level of resilience that we can carry with us really for the rest of our lives, as long as Absolutely. we follow, you know, as long as you, yeah, as long as you don't go off the rail. And right. not, my point is that you can go back to um, not being keto. Cause look, the reason I'm not keto all the time is I like a lot of types of food. Yeah. So yeah. there's some, you know, sometimes I want to have like a half bowl of, of peas, yeah. you know, and that's a, that's a fairly you know, decent carb load. It's not huge, but you know, we add up that and maybe a, you know, a cup of uh, strawberries or something like that. I, I can get into the 100, 110, 120 gram a day uh, of carb range really easily um, because I, because I like a variety of food and I want to, like I said, I want to enjoy every bite of food I eat. Yeah, absolutely. Now, and I would say not only is that sustainable and we're going to be more compliant with it long term, but it's really a mark of good health because you're able to increase your carbohydrates, right? And enjoy yeah. that bowl of strawberries or fruit or whatever it is. And your body still has that machinery and it knows how to go back to utilizing ketones. Yeah, exactly. As long as you don't go 350, yeah. you know, I mean, look, yeah. it would be, it would be hard for me to, to exceed 200 grams of carbs in a day. Yeah. Like, like, so that I'd, I'd have to really think about that and work at it. Mm -hmm. um, and part of the reason is because, because I don't eat uh, grains in general, just cause uh, I, I'm not a fan of them. And, they, yeah. and wheat is, you know, is uh, antithetical to my own health journey. Oh, yeah. I would have to think, I would have to think hard about how I could, you know, find a way to orchestrate that extra hundred, 150 grams of carbs. Mm -hmm into uh into a day without and certainly not day in and day out right it'd have yeah. to be like a one day refeed experience for right me, like an intentional refeed based on how i've elected to eat now for the rest of my life so yeah i stay in like i say i stay in that in that what i call the keto zone i'm, I'm i've got the machinery yeah. i can be a little out in keto i can be a little out of keto i don't notice the difference on a day-to-day -day basis that's the metabolic efficiency that's the flexibility yeah. coming into, into play there and so anybody who does a keto reset as long as they, they hang out in that same playground and they don't go back to their standard American diet ways, they will benefit from this like literally forever. I mean, certainly, yeah. uh, you know, if you did, if you, all you did was a keto reset once a year, you'd be yeah. better off forever. Oh, totally. Absolutely. And you know, once you develop the taste, the actual taste for fat, for healthy fats, healthy oils, you know, the desire for like the starches significantly goes down. And that, that kind of takes us to the next question. What are your five favorite keto foods? What, uh, what kind of is the majority of the calories? Yeah, yeah. I don't eat what we would call breakfast ever. I, um, yeah. I shouldn't say ever. Once in a while, if I'm on the road, if I'm traveling uh, and I'm going to skip lunch and I'm bored at the hotel, I might mm -hmm. have a breakfast. But uh, for the most part, when I'm home, I never have breakfast. I have a big cup of coffee in the morning. Yeah. So that's actually one of my favorite things. Yeah. Um, every day, for the most part, when I'm home, I have a big salad. And people say, salad? That's not keto. Well, the way I make it is. So I make a salad with, you know, it's a big, big mixing bowl full of um, mixed greens, uh, you know, might be some arugula, some kale, some cucumbers, red peppers, some tomatoes, some radishes, whatever, What's, whatever I have on hand, some nuts, um, some kind of protein on top of it, maybe tuna fish, maybe chicken from leftover from last night, might be some steak. 
Uh, and then I douse it with my Primal Kitchen salad dressing, which I made specifically to be a keto salad dressing. It's got nothing but avocado oil and, yeah. and, and some organic vinegar and some- Which are awesome, by the way. I love those dressings. Thank you. I mean, that's why I made them. I made them yeah. so people would, would look forward to having a big salad yeah. every single day and not feel guilty about, <laughs> about how much dressing they put on. Because historically yeah. and up until now, dressings have been horrendous, have been full of soybean oil and canola oh, oil yeah. and corn oil. So yeah, we're really proud of that. So, I, so that's my favorite, still my favorite meal of the day is my big salad. I'm a big I'm a big fan of eggs, so I like any sort of frittata, some omelet, uh, deviled eggs, uh, you name it. I love eggs. Um, lamb is my favorite meat. I will, uh, mm. you know, yeah. I could eat lamb every every night if I was forced to, and I wouldn't get sick of it. Um, I like I like salmon. Um, you know, in, in the cookbook we have uh, uh, macadamia nut encrusted mahi mahi, which oh, is one nice. of my favorite dishes. Uh, but we have a Thai coconut shrimp soup that I love. Yeah. Um, so, you know, of course, asking me to name one of my favorite recipes in the book is like asking me to name my favorite child. But yeah. uh, they're, they're all great. And people look at the recipes and they go, you know, if you serve this to a, to a dinner guest who, didn't, yeah. who, who wasn't, you know, who's still on a standard American way of eating, they go, oh, my God, this is so decadent. There's so much good yeah. stuff in here. There's butter in here. There's ghee. There's you know, this can't be healthy. And of course your response is, well, it's extremely healthy and yeah. this is how I eat every single meal. Right. Right. Um, and that's one of the things about uh, many of the keto cookbooks is that yep. if you prepare those dishes and as long as you don't have like bread and pasta and rolls with them, right. As long as you don't drink sweetened beverages, which throws everything off because of the insulin, then, then, then all of the right genetic switches are going to be turned on. Yep. Right. It's just going to, it's going to taste great. It's going to be satisfying. It's going to be energizing. Um, and, you know, and you're going to feel like, wow, this is like, this is a secret that the entire world should know. But, hey, as long as I know it and I'm good with it, everything's fine. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I always say replace the grains with greens and double the fat that you would normally do. And you're good to yeah. go. Yeah. yeah. Good, good point. Yeah. And that's something, that, you know, that's another thing that people have kind of maybe – without knowing have, have uh, thought about the keto diet is, is maybe because there's no grains that it's, that it's too low in fiber. Dude, I have, um, I have that big salad every day, a lot of fiber there. I'm feeding my gut bacteria what they need mm -hmm. to thrive. And then for dinner, I'm still going to have um, a ribeye steak or a piece of fish or something like that. And then I might have three of what a normal person would call a serving of broccoli or broccolini or Brussels sprouts yeah. or spinach. I'll have three servings of that because I know that three servings of broccoli has about like 10 grams of carbs. Oh, yeah. It's amazing how yeah. low carb some of these things are. And then if you put butter on it, you know, butter and salt and pepper, and it tastes fabulous. And then the oh, butter actually even further diminishes the glycemic index of those 10 or 12 grams of carbs. And you've had a, I've had a perfectly keto day and had more vegetables than a lot of vegetarians have in a day. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And you think about avocados too, they're great. Yeah, exactly. Olives are another yeah. good source of fiber. So healthy fats, adding in yep. fiber. Yeah, if you do yep. it right, if you make it more of, you know, plant-based keto uh, focus, right, where you're really focusing on, you know, plant-based foods and right. uh, you're adding in the meat because, you do, again, you don't want too much protein. So adding in the meat, 
uh, you know, moderate amounts, one to two times a day. And ultimately, you really don't even need to eat as much. Like you were right. talking about, I skip breakfast. For me, I eat one to two meals a day and I'm able to preserve, I'm stronger, I'm able to preserve my muscle mass more effectively than back when I was yeah. eating five or six meals a day. And you're definitely, if you focus on the plant-based foods, um, you know, you're going to get lots of fiber, lots of micronutrients. So yeah, covers all yep. the this. Yep. So Mark, I really love this interview and I loved your cookbook as well. Or really just all the recipes. We were talking about the primal cheesecake in there. Which, um, <laughs> yeah. My yeah. wife always messes around with different keto uh, desserts. So I think we're going to yeah. try that one next. Cool. Really no, it's awesome. That. It's awesome. Yeah. And I would highly recommend anybody that's listening to definitely get the book, Keto Reset Diet. I mean, it's at Barnes and Noble, Amazon, anywhere you can find books. New York Times bestseller too. So congratulations yep. on that. And uh, Mark, how do, how do our listeners find out more about you and connect with the, the content you provide? Uh, well, always uh, marksdailyapple.com. That's my blog. Uh, we're 11 and a half years old now. Um, you can go to um, ketoreset.com and find out more about the book and direct to order to Books A Million or Barnes & Noble or Amazon there. Uh, th those would be the two sites. If you want to find out about, uh, look up our uh, Primal Kitchen sauces, dressings, and toppings, which are extremely keto-friendly. Yeah. Um, that's primalkitchen.com, and we have all the information there. So I think that's enough for your listeners to get a, yeah. get a sense of uh, what we do. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to acknowledge you, Mark, for really being a leader in this and, and now providing foods that we can use so we can enjoy our salads, you know, yeah. we can enjoy this kind of stuff. And I'm also excited about your new project with uh, the Primal Kitchen restaurants. And yeah, whenever you're ready to open one up here in Atlanta, hey, we're all, we're all for it. We'll definitely support it. So Cool, cool. Yeah, Appreciate absolutely. that, Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely. And hey, if you, the listener, have enjoyed this interview and you're getting value from this summit, then I want to encourage you to consider owning the summit for yourself. That way you get all access to lifetime access to all the interviews, the transcripts, all the bonuses that we have. So you can really have success with your ketogenic journey. And just like Mark and I talked about, develop that metabolic machinery that will last you a lifetime and provide enormous health and performance benefits. So if you do that, we would be blessed and honored. And we will see you on a future interview. Well, that's all for this show. And I want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.